Welcome back to Faded Truth. Before you do anything, like, share, subscribe. This show is sponsored by We Boss Radio Network. So every Saturday night at 7 Pacific, make sure you're tuned in to the Music Addict Top 20 Countdown, where they spotlight some of the top independent music out today. Make plans to join DJ Memphis Hollywood. Download the app on the radio station at We Boss Radio Network, or you can also listen online at WeBossRadio.com. And today I have Flossie the Boss also known as a record label executive mogul is what I'm going to call you. You can call me whatever you like. Because your track record is just crazy here. So, so you're considered the plug. I am the plug. I, I do have all the connections. And a lot of these people that are famous are people that I've actually put in the game. So right. it's okay. not much of a plug. It's just relationships. So when did you first get into the music industry? I grew up super poor. I grew up listening to rap before rap was even a cool thing. People called me a wigger, all kinds of names back then, because I used to pop, lock, and break dance, and all I listened to was rap. Wow. Wait, do you still have any of your moves? I do. Can I get like a Hey! <laughs> My brother and I had a rap group, and, but it, we, we performed and rapped at high school, at our, in our school dances and everything, it, which was totally weird for, you know, two white kids doing what we did. I mean, but we did it because we loved it. And then about 1997-ish, I had a job where I was making several hundred thousand dollars a year. And I taught a motivational speaking for this company. And I taught women how to do acrylic nails, do pink and white acrylic nails. And I taught seminars all over the world on how to do a full set of nails in under 20 minutes and, and make a hundred grand a year. What so it's kind of like a, the whole women's movement on how to, how to go, how you can as a part-time job, go make $100,000 a year and oh, have it be a single oh, yeah. mom. My thing was I taught, aside from doing your nails, I taught you how to do it on your toes. So you have a pink and white acrylic toenail and nobody had ever seen that before, but most women had busted up toenails. <laughs> right. So, so the one thing like a guy doesn't want to see is some janky feet, especially if you're wearing some nice shoes and then your, your toes are all slipping out of there. So like... Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'd say, hey, let's fix that up. So what I would do is I really got a lot of attention was like, I grabbed the, the big girl in the audience, grab her toe, and just bam, knock it out on her big toe, and be like, oh my God, get that money. I was just working my job trying to survive, but I couldn't, I, I wasn't into it because that's not what I wanted to do in my life. Like, I just saw myself being like tied down to this job is not my goal, this wasn't my vision. This is not where I want to be in an office, traveling around doing these seminars on acrylic nails. That wasn't my lifelong goal. Right. So I figured, there's got to be something better. And I love music. I just love music. So I figured, you know what? I want to do something in the music business. And I knew I wasn't going to be a rapper. I'm going to start a studio, write records and put it out. And that's why I went and did. And I quit my job making 300 grand a year. And I said, I'm going to start doing rap and uh, putting out music. I didn't, know, I didn't know what I was going to do or how I was going to do it because there was no internet at that time. So it's not like I just upload a song to iTunes right. and hope for the best. How old were you when you quit your, your comfy job? Um, I think I was around 26, 27. I got the music up and running. I was, I was getting all the gangs from all the neighborhood, you know, like Inglewood, Compton, Watts. I would go there on a Friday night and I, I would get out in a suit and tie. This is why they call me Flossie, because I always wore a suit. And so they would always, back in the days, be like, why are you always trying to dress to impress? Look at you, you're Floss. And they'd kind of make fun of you. Like, look at you, Floss. And right. what's up with you, dog? I'd always drink Old English, even back then. So, oh, would, shit, you got it right there. Yeah. <laughs> So when I drink a beer, that's the only beer I'd ever drink. So I would eat a 40 ounce, I'd roll up my wit, be banging my music with the system. And, and the worst, I would tell where, where, did, where are people getting their caps peeled back on a Friday night? And they'd say, don't go to this area, the jungle. 
So I'll go to that area by myself, Friday night, where people are slanging rocks. And I'd say, hey, people get off, off the fence and look at me like, hey, what's up? They come to me all crazy. And I go, listen, I'm starting a record label. I don't know if any of you guys rap. So they get off the fence and start. Everybody would start rapping. Brought them back here. We started making records. So I had real gangbangers from every neighborhood at my house all the time. I'd make these compilation albums because they call them mixtapes now. And so I started selling them, started making money. And we'd all get in a van and I got these little placards, keep us off the streets, gang unit. And so we would go door to door, sell these compilations that we just made for 20 bucks a piece. But the pitch was, I created a sales pitch. Hi, my name's Daryl. I'm from the city, Inglewood. I'm doing music. I'm trying to stay out of the gangs. And in participation of that, can you help support what we're doing? So you get these old white ladies like, oh, honey, that's just fabulous. They grab the CD, this gangster rap. They were in for a surprise when they put that in their uh, cassette player. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so it was great. So we did all that. And then I finally felt like because my day job was uh, taking up so much of my time that I felt like if I dedicate as much time to the music portion I, that I do this day job that's making crazy money, I'll probably be rich. And so one day my bosses said, hey, how are you liking everything? I said, yeah, I mean, and I'm just not really feeling it. I think I'm quitting. They go, what? I go, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. Would you get another job somewhere? No, I'm just going to focus on music. And they go, are you crazy? What's wrong with you? And I just got married. My wife is pregnant and I just bought a house. So they're like, are you nuts? What do you plan on doing? I'm like, I'm going to make some money. They said, I need a better class of friends. I was making the worst decision ever. And I said, I understand why you feel that way, but I'm going to try it. And I, that year, the first year I, I made over $1.5 million in music. Wow. So I said, that's cool. I think music's cool. Fuck okay. your first year. <laughs> yeah. Coming out the gate. Okay, so now you're the CEO of What's Good Entertainment. Yeah. Which is a multimedia platform producing and distributing podcasts. Yeah, that's the goal. I have an um, idea. I wanted to do focus on podcasts because I felt like it's a, the best medium or platform to get, you know, whatever you're promoting on a bigger scale. And we see that kids are consuming, people are consuming visuals. Right. So my, the idea is get a series of podcasts. I have quite a few set up already. The first one is called Tales from the Pen. And what it is, is I have people that are on death row or level four yards in prison that are, are sneaking an iPhone in there and doing a podcast from prison, telling horror stories about getting shanked, shanking people and all that stuff. How so do they not get in set, trouble? Because they're not telling anybody. I'm, pay, I'm, rent, I'm putting $20 a month on their books for Top Ramen. And I'm paying for an iPhone. It costs 100 bucks for 24 hours for an iPhone. Everything's going to be blocked out. Oh, okay. Wow, you're like deep in there. I'm excited. <laughs> I definitely want to see that shit. Okay, so let's so, start with um, your son's podcast. Let's bring in Prodigy. What's good? What's up? What's up, Prodigy? How are you? Good. Your dad is uh, promoting your podcast, which is the podcast with Prodigy. Yep. Okay, did you come up with that name? I had a couple of different uh, friends that shared the same name as me. My name, his real name is Aiden. So um, I was the youngest one out of the group through like series of events and hanging out with them. They just ended up calling me like Prodigy because it was the easier way to remember. And that just stuck like throughout high school for me. So where'd you get the idea to start the podcast? Well, it was originally uh, my dad's idea because before he'd always like show me clips of like Joe Rogan and stuff like that. He had asked me one day if I wanted to do a podcast and I would uh, be interested in doing it. And I, I told him like, yeah, I, I thought it would be cool and everything. I didn't think it was going to be anything hard. All you have to do is talk to somebody. <laughs> and, uh, 
And then this is like the same time that quarantine was coming around. And uh, my dad knew that because his main job was like booking artists for shows. And because of COVID, there's no shows. So we thought that we could start with something new. And based on what my dad has done with record labels and stuff like that, uh, I believe in him. So we're trying something new. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you got the, the plug right here. So you ain't, you're never going to run out of content. I know that. Who do you have on your show? Is there a certain type of person that you want on there? Or is it all types of people in the music industry? As of now, we started off with like uh, local people that are more like my age. I'm still a teenager. We wanted to base it off of like people at a younger age, how they see things in like daily life and how their life is like during quarantine, during COVID and all this other stuff. But we also uh, want to get like special guests. Like we recently just had uh, Mr. Lil One on my uh, podcast, very special guest. So we want to have like a mentality of like seeing how younger people view things in the world, but also like sprinkling like a special guest. Oh, okay. So this is geared towards like your age group, but then you're also going to have like just people come out the woodworks. Yeah, we're going to have people that are celebrities pop in. They're like, oh shit, it's going to be easy because you're, you're flossy. Da, da, da. But the reality is when you start a new product, it's, uh, you start at zero. Just uh, every project, album, artist, new artist, we always start at zero. It doesn't matter how famous I am. I have to make whatever I'm doing famous. Yeah, keep on grinding. It is a grind. So how do you feel? Like, do you feel like you've put in work so far? Or do you feel like it's just the beginning? Like I feel like it's just the beginning right now. We've given it time for like people to watch the podcast and everything on YouTube. And the numbers, they're getting like, they're getting kind of good. They're getting like a couple thousand views. But I know just like, it's going to take time. I need to get better at like, as a, a interviewer, I need to learn how to like keep things going. And uh, I feel like once I get like more practice, just keep like dumping them out as many as we can, it'll get better. What is like your favorite topics to discuss? I know you said you're doing the life of quarantine and all that, but is there something that like you enjoy talking about? Honestly, with like the interviews that I've done so far, for some reason, when I like to ask people, just name any crazy story or any like wild story, I got, I don't know what brings them to like to say all the crazy things they do on my podcast. He had a, a pro skater on. <laughs> so this guy starts talking about how he's explaining in detail how he butt chugged a beer. And <laughs> which he's never heard of before. So and then on top of it, he's like he takes the thing out of his butt and he instead to blow the beer out, he put his mouth on it and it was so <laughs> gross. The whole story was just disgusting. So <laughs> Oh, that's good though. You're gonna hear a lot of crazy shit. I love I love hearing people's stories because they always get better. You know, people that are in this media thing, youngs trying to do what you're trying to do. Like, what's your best advice to them? Consistently keep doing it because there's been some times it's like hard to like try and get people to uh, get onto your podcast and like get the information from them. Some people lag on you, but I think the main and the most important thing to focus on is just consistency and like not losing hope because especially right now during like quarantine and COVID happening it like uh, it affects the people a lot in their head but you just gotta like think in, in the future how it's gonna like help you I think that's the most important thing to stay hopeful. What do you think is your biggest fear though when you did start? Honestly I didn't have any like fears. I'm used to like talking to people cameras and everything because I've actually taken like three years of like computer and camera classes and stuff like that. And I did like a little news set for my uh, middle school where I would like report on what happened throughout the week of my school. So I didn't have a problem talking on camera, but I think my main worry was if I was going to stutter, if like my voice was going to crack and like we're not editing anything out like that. We're keeping it like all raw. So I was like, 
man, I better be like on point right now. But right. What is your 2021 goals, Prodigy? What do you got coming for the new year? What are you expecting? What do you want? Um, I'm hoping to take this uh, podcast stuff more seriously and take it like far. Hopefully we can uh, start making bigger and better things happen for it. Also, I'm trying to just graduate from high school. <laughs> Hopefully I'll be able to have a real like ceremony and walk because I know the kids last year didn't get to have that. Just keep making money. Keep doing what I love. I, I love doing this podcast stuff. It's sick. Thank you so much for having me. It's a blessing. Love being interviewed is different from actually talking to somebody asking them the questions is nice. I know. I get nervous <laughs> when I get interviewed. I'm like, what are these people going to ask me? <laughs> Bye, Prodigy. Later. How does it feel to see your son um, going on a path to success at such a young age? You know what's funny is like, he's typically a, a shy, reserved kid. Like, so I didn't know if he was even going to, I actually kind of wanted him to do the podcast because I, I thought maybe to bring him out of his shell. Like, mm -hmm. I figured maybe this will help him. And then sure enough, his first couple interviews, I didn't need to tell him anything. He just ran with it. And I'm like, okay, this kid's good. Like this, he's comfortable talking to people, adults and kids. So no, I don't see, he might be nervous, but I don't see it. Nice. So that's, and that's the key is like, don't show it. Now what about what's good in your hood? What's good in your, in your neighborhood is actually a show where I actually go on location interviewing, you know, fairly well-known artists or actors or whatnot, or celebrities, it could be ballplayers too where they grew up in their hood and we show them all the good things about it. Like I'll be interviewing Takashi's gang, Treyway in New York. I got a, um, a group called So Solid out of London. They're the most feared. And I wanted to show them about the cool things. When I go to the hood, people aren't shooting at me. I'm not getting robbed. None of this is going on. So you can get in trouble anywhere. But ultimately, I, you know, I try to tell them like how cool it is because it's like a family reunion. When I go there, everybody's we're at barbecues, we're hanging out and people are drinking, having fun and, so I want to show the good things about the hood. And there's a lot of cool, unique things that a lot of people don't get to see when you go to the hood. But I want to showcase that and, and nothing negative would always be positive. Wow, so, that's awesome. What's the millionaire mentality? Millionaire mentality is a, sh a show where I interview um, people that have made millions of dollars. And it's called the millionaire mentality, the pros and the cons. The pros are the people who made the millions of dollars professionally. The cons are the con artists who robbed, hustled, scammed, did their time, and they got out of prison, or they at least can talk about it at this point when I interview them. Because everybody thinks the same way to make that kind of money. They're all hustling. One guy went this way, the other guy went this way to make the millions. So it's all the same mentality to make the same kind of money and hustle and grind, but I'm just showing the different ways they've done it. But some of my friends have been pretty ingenious genius about making money, and the stories you'll, you'll hear on that show, absolutely amazing and crazy. Even when right, like, yeah, it just sounds like it's gonna be raw as fuck. I want to listen. Oh, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be bananas to hear what happened. So, what was your first major purchase in life when you knew you made it and you were like, "Let me go blow, however much." You know what? I, I didn't. I've never been that dude to go waste money. I've been. I, thank God because the business. When you were like twenty when you first made your first one point four mil in one year. You you tell me you didn't buy something crazy. All my furniture was custom made, like to my because I'm a little bit taller. So I would be like a, a dining table. I'd go uh, to a fancy furniture place and go, I want this table, that everything to match it. I need you to raise it four inches for the, the coffee table. And I need the bar stools to sit this high. So I had them all custom made, which was expensive, but you know, just a car. But for me, I was starting a business. I was starting an enterprise. So I took all my money. I went and um, got a building and uh, built out a studio, which I spent a ridiculous, like maybe four, three or $400,000 to build the studio out. And, uh, and I had a, a two-story recording studio with songwriters and producers to make more money. 
in my business, for me, I've always had the mentality, if I make 500 grand, take 20% to get by and take the other 400 grand and reinvest it in business. Not go buy something, don't go buy a Bentley. Would you say that's your best advice for being a millionaire? Keep investing? I would say the best advice is to always, whatever money you get, you gotta use that money to make more money. So you take the minimal out of that money to get by, pay your bills, and take that other money and we flip it. And if any rappers listening or watching the show, it's just like the drug game. You, fl you flip this bag, you get the money back, you're gonna use that, that, the rest of that money to go get another bag. But the profit you made from that, you stick it in your pocket. Go get yourself a little in and out or whatever, and then take the other money and go buy another brick and just keep it pushing. Because that's the way you gotta do it. Then you, then you get enough to buy five bricks, and then you get enough to buy 10 bricks. Pretty soon right. you can build a building. What do you think is the easiest thing for someone to invest in from scratch? Like someone that's starting off and wants to put their money somewhere, what's the best thing they should do? I would say find us something that you really like to do, like as a business. Find out something you really, really love to do, and then uh, get into whatever that is, and work on that and make money off it. Invest into invest invest into yourself. Right. You're gonna be your best investment. Don't let somebody come up to you and say, "Hey, this guy's talented. He could do this. This guy's got that." Do something that you want to do. Invest in that and and grow it because you'll be happy. Because even if you only get, make minimal money, this is where I was before I went into music. I made great money. I could have been cool with that for the rest of my life. Thing was, I didn't like it. It wasn't your passion. You have to be passionate about it. Right. So I see so many miserable people walking around with like, you see them with their heads and their shoulders sunk down because yep. they're stuck in a damn job they don't like. Do something you like. Even if you make less money, do something you like and be good at it. You basically book A-list artists for concerts and different events around the world. The former president of Iconic West Record Label, Who Bangin' Records, and Mac 10. Yep. I started booking small artists that were cost $10,000 for a show. I'd make 10%. And then I started going, why book a small artist? Let me book people like Drake or Nicki Minaj or Cardi B and get 10% or Bruno Mars. And then I started doing that. And it's how valuable. Do that, how do you get to that point though? Like, are you just reaching out to people? Like, how do you get in contact? Is it just because you were already so well connected and? Yeah, pretty, you know, fortunately I have a lot of relationships. In the music business, it's pretty small. So if I don't know somebody, chances are if I ask around, I can find out what record label signed them. Do I know that person? Who's the manager? I usually know somebody involved with the management if I don't know the artist. And then they'll be like, oh, yeah, he used to intern for you. Oh, shit, let me call him. And right. I call him, up and, you know, we work it out. So it's a small industry. So out of all those people, uh, Cardi B, Bruno Mars, Snoop, DMX, I mean, you got a lot of people that you've worked with. So who's some of your favorite? I love Snoop. And uh, I love Donnie Wahlberg. Do you smoke a blunt with Snoop? I actually did at his house, yes. Nice. The, <laughs> I don't smoke weed at all. But one time was when Snoop was doing his album for um, Master P. And he was finishing it up. And he had like 30 songs. He had a mountain of weed. And so it was me, Corrupt, and my brother, and Snoop. And I was next to Snoop because Snoop rolls those things so fast. And he literally <laughs> he would light one. And just take a couple of hits and he would pass it to corrupt. There's only four of us, but he kept lighting and lighting and pretty soon we're like we're bumping into each other with blunts. <laughs> I don't want to look like I'm a little snitch or something. So I'm like, I better be taking a hit of this. So keep in mind, I don't smoke. I literally was sitting Indian style in the center of the room for a second, like, oh my God. And then I had to drive home. And the <laughs> I was driving so slow that corrupt said, pull over and take a nap. So we pulled over on the side of the street in the dark, just took a nap. I was oh, like, Good. Shit. Did he know? Did he know you were like, was he making fun of you? Oh yeah. He was high too. Like he was blown out of his mind too. Like right. 
gone. Like he was worse than me probably because he he was really. I just took two or three hits, but I, that's not for me. Like it's hardcore. So what is the craziest story that you have being in the industry for so long? Like what jumps out at you if you had to think of something? Since I was the new guy, I was a white guy doing gangster rap a lot in the streets. The word was, hey, we're going to basically peel Flossie's cat back. We're going to kill him when we see him because he's fucking up the business. I certainly wasn't trying to put that vibe out there. It was more like we can all work together. But since I was making the most noise the fastest, that um, there was a lot of hatred towards me. So when we do a show, they would stack the audience. A bunch of gangbangers would go there and try to cause problems. One of the events we went to, I was with the, the artist. He's super well-known right now. And we we're performing and they started shooting at us. So we go out the back and there was a, they didn't let us in with guns because they had, um, they said no weapons, they pat us down, everything. So we had, they had one armed security guard in there who was with us. We went out the back and total chaos going on in the parking lot, everybody running and scrambling. And then um, they were shooting at us. It was me, the artist, the artist manager, and one other person and the security guard who had a gun, but he wouldn't pull the gun out. The guy said, I can't do it. I can't do it. So I pulled the gun out and started shooting around at the people. So it was funny because I, I shot like three or four rounds, jumped in the van on my back, threw the gun back at him so he could defend himself and we took off while people were shooting at us. We got two or three. <laughs> it's like a movie. <laughs> During that era was people don't understand, you hear people rapping about stuff like that. That wasn't uncommon for us to get shot at and all kinds of chaos. Do you like ever like sit down and just feel like blessed that you're alive? Like, do you ever think like, wow, I could have died this many times? I told my wife that night, I said, we're just lucky that's the worst that ever happened to me. I could have been killed like three or four times. So <laughs> I'm sure that made her feel better. <laughs> you're the CEO of Streetlight Music. It's a top production company. What are some of the hits that you're responsible for? There's two records that did really well. One's called Lean Like a Cholo, where I got a platinum plaque for. Is a, Elbows a, up, that one? There you go, yeah. <laughs> and it was actually my concept that I came up with. Financially, it did really well because it was during the time of a ringtone, and the ringtones were they were charging like five bucks a ringtone. Oh and yeah, you get, you get over two million ringtones with that thing, so it turned into a lot of money. Damn so, ringtones! I don't know. Ringtones. <laughs> and then the other song we wrote the hook for was um that song with Little Wayne called "Get Money." You know that uh, "Get Money," da -da 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 -da, "Get Money." That did really well. We originally wrote it for uh, T Pain, but uh, Little Wayne used it. So nice. You're negotiating deals with like Ray J's label, Donnie Wahlberg from New Kids on the Block. Yeah. Like, what is your position when you're negotiating? Are you basically just going, like, what's the process of it? I'm always the guy that has um, the ability to bring a lot of money to the table. People are calling me saying, Flossie, I got $5 million. Can you give me, get me this person to do this? So usually those people they're asking for are people I'm affiliated with. And so now, that, now I know I'm working with $5 million. Do I need to raise the money up higher? What are the terms that I need? So I figure out the entire structure of the entire business on how everybody's going to get paid and make their money and how the person who's spending the money is going to get their money back. So I'm the guy who usually figures out a lot of times I'm usually the guy that's writing the contract from scratch. Wow. So from, from A to Z. I mean, you do a lot, obviously. So is there anything that you do to protect like your mental peace? Like, do you take, make time for yourself? Is there a specific thing that you do that makes you? You know what? I, I used to just straight be angry and want to kill people all the time. That, that was my release. I was angry, so, so angry one day and uptight. I said, I got to get out of here, man. And I just, I went for a walk around my, I live in the hills. So I went for a three mile walk in the, the hills and, and came back. I felt great. So I'm going to do that every day. Cause I just listened to like a podcast or some comedy thing or whatever. 
came back refreshed, started doing that every day. There's nothing anybody could say that would bother me, offend me. Ultimately, the walks have, you know, changed the way I feel about things. I'm, I'm literally, I feel like the best headspace. To be at peace, like when you're at peace mentally, it feels so good. Well, I, I used to be so angry I, growing up too, and I just carried yeah. so much shit. And then when I just let it go, it's like an amazing. What were you, why were you angry? I held on to a lot of childhood things, how I was raised, what I was raised around, you know, we were pretty broke and we yeah. had so much different types of abuse in all households. So growing up in that environment, I was always just an angry person. I wanted to fight everybody. And then I got older and I was like, okay, well, these are certain things that I need to work on in order to feel better. And I started implementing that into my life. I've always not gave a fuck, but now I just don't give a fuck in a sense where like, I'm not going to let you get me out of character. I literally was infatuated, infatuated with your vibe when I met you in Hawaii. You just had that cool vibe and it's like, just cool, calm, collect, everything's under control. That's just a great, great attitude. So Hawaii, yes, we met in uh, Oahu. <laughs> yeah, we were waiting for a boat that never came. <laughs> oh, yeah. it was hot as hell waiting there. I was waiting there for so long on that little oh, thing. What is this book that you're writing? So the book is out, it's called, uh, um, the industry book of music contracts. And it's, it's designed for artists, producers, songwriters, musicians, managers, and record labels. And today it's so, so important because when I started the music business, we really had to learn everything about the music business. Understand why you got paid for everything, where the money goes, how do you get it? And what's happening is a lot of people are putting out a lot of music, but they're not getting the money that they're owed. And the reason why is because they didn't do their paperwork or they, they just don't know. It's an in, interactive audiobook of every contract that you'll need as an artist, songwriter, music producer, manager, or label in English, right. not legal talk. So I explain it. Hey, the, what this basically means is this. So either you're the one getting a contract or you're the one giving. Either way, you need to know what you're getting or you're giving. You should always be educated in the music business because that's how you're going to make money. That's how I'm, I'm making money today because I know. So what is your best advice to people in the music game? If you could pick one thing for people to register. If you put out con constant content, video and audio, whatever it is that you do, if you're a comedian, an actor, an artist, a podcaster, if you do something every single week with consistency and you always grow a little bit, you will be successful eventually. And it could be a long time. Joe Rogan, you know, took a long time to get where he's at. But it, just be consistent and put out lots of content. Any artist today, there's not one artist except for the guy who did the country song, Lil Nas X, they just blew up overnight. There's not anyone. If you look at their history that you think they came from nowhere, right. they probably- they were, they were doing shit that you just didn't see. It was behind no, the scenes. You didn't know them until that song took off, but they've been working. And that's what- they is like the biggest thing ever in any aspect of life, I feel like. Absolutely. And it doesn't, you don't have to have the best everything. You don't have to have the best camera, the best mic, the best lights, the best song. You just need to be consistent. Right. And people because people are looking for content all the time. So if they trust that you're going to put out more content, they're going to tune into you. Okay, Flossie, the boss. Thank sure? you so much for being on the show. We're going to look for the upcoming podcasts. I mean, you got three projects working, always got new artists and everything. So I know you're doing a lot. You've been a, you've been a real pleasure. Lots of fun. Just come visit me at Flossie, the boss. I always post everything I'm doing on that page. It's a lot of fun stuff. And Always, if you're in the, if you're an artist or in the music business, hit them up. All right, until next time, guys. Peace. Right, take care. I got perfect timing. If you want to test, put you on the next flight, going to Budapest. I got a spot for you if you're trying to join the team. It's ours world, baby girl. We make enemies.
Nah, he not a friend of me We threw him out cause he got snitching tendencies When it come to getting money, we forever green When it come to rolling trees, call me Everdeen